Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, everyone. I am so excited about this new series we're going to kick off today. We're going to be talking for the next five episodes about the life of the disciple Peter. I'll be right back to overview and jump right in. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, I really am beside myself. I have been up early this morning reviewing my notes, trying desperately to get my mind around all that the Lord has poured out as I have studied this. I have been studying the life of Peter for the last several years as I have a presentation entitled, What About That Child? And we'll talk about that another time. But I use Peter as an example when I do that presentation of hope, actually, to parents who are perhaps wanting to pull their head, their hair out with one of those kids that you just are having a hard time relating to or disciplining or discipling or whatever. Anyway, I think Peter is just an example of great hope for us. He has a story arc, I think, in five movements. So I'm going to do an episode on each of those five movements. And I just want to say at the outset that this is a study that is ongoing for me, that I am still doing, that I am incredibly excited to share with you. But I am going to say before we even begin that it's imperfect. Even though I have already studied and studied and studied, my desk has been an absolute wreck with all of my notes and everything. 
And even this morning, as I was trying to get it all together, it occurs to me that I, I really can't get it all together. This is going to be an ongoing study, and I hope that you'll contact me with your own insights as you dare to dig into this. I have a few goals as we start this out today. I really want for you to dare to really understand the reality of the lives lived that are accounted for in scripture. These were really people that lived and breathed and God saw fit to include their stories in the Bible. And I'm just going to say the Bible has raw characters. There's no one perfect except the son of God. And everyone else is deeply flawed, just like I am, just like you are. And God saw fit to weave their stories into his narrative to encourage us. And so that's what's so powerful to me about studying any one of the characters in the Bible is what can I learn? How can I relate to them? And how can I learn from their example, their journey? I think it's just really important. I'm very grateful for all of the stories woven into the narrative. So I want to do kind of a deep dive with Peter and see what we can learn from him. We're going to talk about his character qualities and we're going to talk about his character flaws. And I hope in so doing, we will be able to see our character qualities and our character flaws. I, this is not just about finger pointing at Peter, right? This is about actually daring to look in the mirror and seeing where he fell and where he failed, does that line up with my own life? And I've got some questions for you each week to consider. I want to inspire you, as always, to do your own deeper dive and study. I hope that you can find resources online, in your library, in your church library. And I want to inspire hope. Wherever you are in this five-point movement of, of Peter's life, I want you to have hope that you don't have to be stuck where you are, <laughs> that you can move past whatever stage you're in. And that is indeed what we're supposed to do, is to continue to progress and continue to lean into the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we see that in Peter. And that's one of the things that I think is so remarkable, is Peter really didn't get stuck. Peter dared to continue on, and the Lord Jesus met Peter every step of the way exactly where he was with great patience and yet a lot of truth. And sometimes it was really, really hard truth, but it was the truth spoken in love. So I want to encourage you wherever you are, and I want us to take this journey together. So again, comments, questions, please feel free to leave those over at rachelcarmen.com and let's jump right in. So I believe we can look at the life of Peter from when we first meet him until, you know, he's martyred at the end of his life in five movements. I think when we first meet him, he's curious and we'll talk about that in this first episode. The next episode we're going to talk about is Peter when he stepped into cocky. I think there's a period of time when he just was very arrogant. We'll look at that. And then I believe we get into a, a part of Peter's life where he was just confused. It just was not going the way he thought it was going to, the way he wanted it to, and he his head's kind of spinning. Then we find Peter changed. 
And it's just the transformation that we see. It's not finished, but it is significant. And we'll look at that. And then finally, we see Peter confident. So we see him from, we see him go from immaturity to maturity, right? And we see him as the author of First and Second Peter. We see him as the voice behind the gospel of Mark, as he is Mark's informant for that gospel. And so we he's a different person. He's got this confidence, but it's not the cocky arrogance that we see in movement two of his life. It's different. And so I don't want to give all that away today. That's just your overview. overview. So Peter, today we want to focus on Peter being curious. And under each one of these five movements, I've got three points, lots of scripture that you can chase. I've used a variety of different references that'll be available in the show notes and also listed over at rachelcarmen.com. I'm not going to promise you an outline just yet because I'm not happy with it, but you can be on the lookout for that in the weeks to come. So Peter Curious, when we first find Peter, he is asked by Jesus, follow me, follow me. What I love about it is when we first um, meet him, we have over in John 1. And so again, part of what has made this such a challenging study for me to try to bring together to share with you, I myself have been curious about putting this timeline together. I've wanted to see this transition, this this story arc, if you would, of the life of Peter, because I really do believe that as as we watch him through the Gospels, we really see him come into his own. And I think that that's so encouraging to me because so often I see myself, uh, certainly in the past, but sometimes even in the present, respond in a way that is not God-honoring and is not mature. And I'm just so encouraged to know that God doesn't leave me where I am today, that he's constantly growing me. And so when we first meet Peter, he is actually pointed out by John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God. And John the Baptist is heralding who Jesus is to his own disciples. So Andrew, it seems, was one, Andrew, Peter's brother, it seems, was one of John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist is this remarkable example. You can go back and read John 1 and 2, and you can, or just John 1. You can go back and read John 1 and see this recurring character quality in the life of John the Baptist of incredible hum- humility. He is constantly making it very clear that he is not the Christ. But that is, and he's pointing others to Christ. And here we see him pointing one of his own disciples to Christ. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And so Andrew sees this, and he goes and he finds his brother, Simon, Simon Peter. And he says to his brother, we have found the Messiah. Wow. You know, it's really easy for you and I today to miss the significance of that statement of Andrew, but it's so powerful. This is a people, the Jews had been waiting over 400 years for Messiah to come, and John the Baptist has declared that is him, and Andrew is so excited that he goes and he finds his brother. That is beautiful, and he tells Simon, 
He says, we have found Messiah. In other words, what we've been hoping for, what we've been waiting for, we found him, we found him. And he brings his brother to Jesus. And if we pick up in verse 42, John 1 and verse 42, Andrew brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So at the very beginning of Peter's interaction, he is brought by his brother, believing that this is Messiah. And Jesus sees him. Jesus sees him and says, you're Simon, son of John. You shall be called Peter. From the very beginning, he's like, you had me at hello, right? Peter's like, whoa, whoa. Then if you go over to Matthew 4, beginning in verse 18 through 22, you have the calling of the disciples by Jesus. And he says to them, In Matthew 4, it says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, like we just looked over at John, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So right here at the beginning, Peter is seen by Jesus. He's called, and Peter dares to follow He follows. So his curiosity causes him to follow Jesus. Now, the second point under this curiosity that we see in Peter is what he witnessed. So there's a whole list of these things, but I want you to really think about this. What I'm trying to do for you right here in this portion is to really put Peter in the context of the ministry of Christ. Stay tuned and we're going to go through a list of things that Peter witnessed. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Okay, 
Now, as I said at the beginning, this is a work study in progress. I do not have time, although I would love to dig into all of these instances, all of these situations that Peter witnessed. But here is an inexhaustive list of these the ministry of Jesus that Peter would have witnessed, he got to see firsthand Jesus at work. The man Jesus at work. The man who had seen him. The man who called him and promised him to make him a fisher of men. Now, I I want you to see, this is kind of a spoiler alert, but I want you to see this beginning of Jesus calling Peter as a fisherman, right? Because that is a bookend at the beginning of Peter's story. And we're going to look toward a bookend at the other side of sort of the capstone interaction of Peter and Jesus. And that's still to come, but I want you to sort of hold that in your head. And we'll talk about that when we get there, but I don't want you to miss it. What are some of the things that Peter would have witnessed? And and this is another thing that you can chase as I go through this, again, in exhaustive list. Some of these things that Peter witnessed would have been profoundly personal. Just Jesus and Peter. And as I've studied this, preparing to share this with you, it's striking to me how many of the instances we have of Jesus talking just to Peter. Very, very personal teaching, very, very personal rebuke, very, very personal explanation, very, very personal provision, very, very personal healing, just for Peter, just for Peter. So we have those personal instances and the things that Peter would have witnessed. We also have situations where it was Peter, James, and John. So these three are considered the inner circle of the 12 disciples. Jesus had the 12, but you have this inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And so some of these instances that Peter witnessed would have been just him in the inner circle with the other two. Then you pull out a little further, and you've got the 12, and you pull out further still, and you have the crowds and the masses of people. So it's interesting to study all of these things that I'm going to talk to you about now and and dig a little deeper and see which one of those were the context for the teaching or the miracle or the parable, right? So again, just to go over a few of them, the first miracle we have recorded of Christ is at a wedding, which again, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Here we have the bridegroom, right? The ultimate bridegroom who comes to claim his bride, the church, in Revelation, ultimately on his second coming. That's what he'll do. His first miracle here was at a wedding. Was at a wedding. That's beautiful. So we have the miracle at Cana where Jesus turns the water into wine. And it's a beautiful story. Go back and read it. It's in John 2. And in this first miracle of Christ, this is... It's like this moment that he does for his mother, Mary, who's waited all of these years, right? All of these years for what she knows the angel told her, what she knew to be true about the conception of her firstborn son, that it wasn't a man. It was the Holy Ghost. She has waited 30 years. She's waited 30 years for a sign, some sort of proof to underscore what she knows she knows. And they're at the wedding, 
and the wine runs out and she looks at the servants and she says, you do whatever he tells you to do. I mean, this is her putting her full confidence in Jesus and looking at him like, yeah, do it. Because she knew he could. She knew he could. That's beautiful. And, and her statement to the servants, do whatever he asks you to do, that still rings over the ages. Oh, that you and I would do whatever he tells us to do. That's what Mary proposed that the servants do. And that's what they dared to do. Go back and read it in John 2. We also have the calming of the storm in Mark 4. You have the disciples getting in the boat with Jesus, right? And they get in the boat, and Jesus promptly goes to sleep at the stern of the ship of the boat. And a storm comes up, and Jesus continues to sleep. And the water's breaking over the boat. And frankly, the disciples panic, just like you and I panic. You know, our lives get into a bit of the storm, and Jesus hasn't abandoned us. He's with us, and yet the water's breaking over, and what? We panic. And they wake him, and they're like, don't you care? (laughs) Don't you care? Of course he cares. But they were never in danger. Jesus was with them the whole time. That boat wasn't going to go down with the Son of God on it, right? It was a storm, But he was with them in the storm, but he calms the sea. Peace be still. That's in Mark 4. We also, one of the other things that John, uh, that Peter would have witnessed during this time would have been the feeding of the 5,000. When there's this mass of people, this 5,000 strong crowd of just men, right? Not counting women and children. And guess what? They're hungry. And they need something to eat. And so if you read the account in John 6, 1 through 13, they find a little boy whose mom has packed him a lunch, five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, okay, have everybody sit down. And he takes it and he breaks it and he blesses it and he multiplies it. And he includes the disciples in this, in this miracle that he performs. He multiplies it, but he gives it to the disciples, right, who hand it out. So they participate with him in what he's doing. You have the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' great teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You have the parables begin in Luke 8 with the sower. You have his rejection at Nazareth. Peter would have witnessed that when he reads the scroll from Isaiah. This is fulfilled in your hearing today. And he rolls it up and he sits down. And they're like, uh, yeah, no. And they seek to throw him off a cliff. And basically, Jesus walks through the crowd and kind of like, not today. Not today. So he also would have witnessed his family, Jesus' family, come seeking to take him home. So Jesus' mother and brothers come, and they, they just want to take him home because he's becoming a controversial figure. And Jesus says, look, whoever believes on me and the Father, these are my brothers. These are, this is my family. Peter would have witnessed that. He would have known, not witnessed, because the next two meetings were intensely personal with these two individuals. So you have Nick at night, Nicodemus, religious leader comes with a few questions at night under cover of darkness, wants to have an audience with Jesus, and Jesus meets with them. And then in contrast, and it's a great compare-contrast if you dare, 
In John 4, you have Jesus going to meet an unnamed woman at a well and the interaction he has with her. And in that instance, the the disciples were sent into town, but they came back and here's Jesus talking to all people, a Samaritan woman. And Peter would have seen that. He would have witnessed Jesus talking to someone he shouldn't have been talking to, right? Furthermore, Peter would have hit it. Furthermore, Peter would have witnessed a variety of different healings. He would have seen the demon possessed healed in Luke 4, 31 through 37. He would have seen the leper healed. This is actually included in all four and all three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, specifically in Matthew 8, 2 through 4. He would have been there. Peter would have been there when those four friends lowered their paralyzed friend down through the roof of the house, believing that their friend could be healed at the feet of Jesus. And indeed, he was. Peter would have seen that. Peter would have been there in the synagogue the day that Jesus called forth the man with the withered hand. And you'll remember the controversy of Jesus healing on the Sabbath, right? And Peter would have seen that. He would have seen this man's hand completely restored. Peter would have been there in the crowd with the other disciples the day that Jairus came and said, please, please, please come to my house. Please come and heal my daughter. And he would have been there when the woman with the hemorrhage, unnamed, would have thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Peter would have been there, and indeed he was there because she does dare to reach out and just touch the hem of his garment because, you know, she didn't want any attention. She should have been outside of the city because she would have been considered unclean, right? But she believed that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she didn't want to call attention. She didn't want to be the center of the spotlight. She just wanted a touch. She just wanted a healing. And she reaches out and she touches him. And Jesus feels the healing go out. And Jesus stops. So here's this woman who didn't want attention and now becomes the center of attention. Jesus turns around and asks, who touched me? And Peter goes, really? Really? I mean, really? You're in the middle of a crowd. There's lots of people that are touching you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 someone touch me. I'd encourage you, go back and read those two stories woven together in Luke 8, 40 through 56 of him intentionally going to heal. And in the process of going, a woman is healed. Beautiful stories woven together. Peter was there. Peter saw. Peter saw. And then if you go all the way to Matthew 9, we have two blind men who come and they want their sight restored. And Jesus restores their sight. And then you have this really personal thing in Mark 1, 29 through 31. I said, you know, these, these things that he witnessed, I didn't have in any particular order. But this is the most personal one, perhaps. Jesus goes to Peter's house where Peter's mother-in-law is ill, and he heals her. Peter witnessed all these things. He saw these things, not one, many. He saw teaching. He saw compassion. 
He saw Jesus touch. He saw Jesus go. He saw Jesus affirm faith. He saw Jesus rejected. He saw Jesus heal on the Sabbath, teach in synagogues, teach on mountains, teach on the plain. He saw Jesus doing works and miracles. He saw the Messiah working. He saw it up close and personal. Then we come to the third point under this curiosity of Peter. And I want to call your attention. This story is included in Matthew, Mark, and John. But only in Matthew do we actually get what I want to talk about today. And that is this story. It immediately follows the feeding of the 5,000, curiously enough. It says immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And when he sent the crowds away, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, I don't have time to chase that right now. But I want you to think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, took time to pray and to be with his Father. He went up alone by himself on a mountain to pray. Continuing on in Matthew, and when it was evening, he was there alone, but the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, Jesus, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Yeah, I would be too. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. Peter spoke up. Now, I don't know that we've mentioned this heretofore, but one of the character qualities you have to know about Peter, certainly curious Peter and certainly cocky Peter, right, was there's this rashness, this acting before he was thinking, right? And this is him right here. So they're terrified because it looks like there's a ghost walking on the water in this storm trough. It's not a storm, but it's a it's a it's a rough water night, right? And there's this something walking on the water. Jesus speaks, "Don't be afraid." And Peter just right there, he just says, "Okay. Lord, if it is you, if it's you," Peter says, "command me to come to you on the water." So Peter's like, okay, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. I mean, listen to this. Listen to him. And Jesus simply said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. The other 11 were what? Struck speechless. Peter's getting out of the boat. He gets out of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Do you see the curiosity that Peter, even though he's witnessed all of this other stuff, up close and personal, he has seen Messiah at work. He has seen the wonders. He has seen the miracles. He has heard the teaching. He has seen lives changed. Even then, Peter's like, if it's you, tell me to get out and walk on the water. And Jesus says, yeah, do that. So Peter gets out of the boat. Come, he says. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But, verse 30, seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
And immediately, the second one in the passage, Jesus stretches out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Do you see this curiosity of Peter? Every step of the way, do you see Jesus meet it and answer it? See, I believe that as God works, he's always working on a personal level, doing things in our personal life, our personal lives, right? He's always doing something that brings himself glory. He's always doing something that is good for us. And he's always, there are always witnesses to what God is doing in our lives such that they will also be encouraged. All of that's going on at the same time. So all of these other healings, it's all been to show off to Peter too. Not just for those individuals, but also for Peter. And yet, in this instance, he was walking on the water. Right after this, we have John 6. So if you'll go over to John 6, as we're finishing up this first movement in the life of Peter, we have this issue of signs. So all of these signs that Jesus, that Peter has witnessed Jesus perform, Jesus declares, the most important thing is that you believe. It's not the signs, it's that you believe. And then Jesus declares his first I am. He has seven that he states in the book of John. The first one is here in John six thirty five, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You thought that Moses gave you manna? Well, number one, Moses didn't give you manna. My father in heaven gave you manna. And the manna that he gave to you through Moses, I'm the bread of life. The manna was in the wilderness. I'm the bread of life, Jesus declares right here. And he who believes in me will never thirst again. This is what Jesus declares. And it says, if you continue through the passage, that the Jews grumble against what Jesus is saying. Ultimately, they argue among themselves, ultimately. And some of the disciples are like, wow, this is, this is too much. This is just too hard of a teaching. And they grumble and they withdraw. If you read, this is John 6, 26 through 58. But if you pick it up in 67, as a result, it says in 66, many of his disciples withdrew and went not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12. So see this, it's this mass that Jesus is talking to all of these Jews and he's teaching them these things, declaring that he's the bread of life. He's telling them that to believe on him is what the key is and they just can't get their head around it. And then he pulls back to just the 12 and he says, do you want to go away also? Do you want to stop following me? In other words, is this too hard for you? And it is Peter again who answers. Verse 68, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow. Do you see it? Peter started out curious, and God has shown off through his son, Jesus Christ, in personal and in, in crowds. He's shown Peter. And Peter right here is, you are the Holy One of God. 
I want to ask you a couple of questions as we're closing today. What captivates your curiosity? I would suggest to you today that the enemy is using curiosity for some really dark purposes to lure captives away, to enslave them to darkness. We need to guard our curiosity. We need to make sure that we are pursuing the things of God, that we are focused on God and his goodness, his goodness, his light, not darkness. It says in scripture that we are to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness. And yet sometimes we allow the enemy's whispers and we let him trigger our curiosity and it can lead us down a really dark path. We need to make sure that we are pursuing the light, that we are walking in the light, that we are seeking the Messiah, that we are daring to believe. We will pick up next time in the next episode with Peter in what I'm referring to as his cocky stage. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.